thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. I want to talk about today, and before we get into this particular parable, which will be our last parable, it's the parable of, of the rich fool. Uh, so when you get into this, you'll see what we're talking about in just a moment. And as you consider this particular parable, it is a parable about money, but I'm going to approach this it's totally different than any message you heard. I'm not going to dwell on the fact of giving or anything like that, but it's something we're going to dwell on an issue in our heart that needs to be considered at all times. Uh, Jesus and the apostles, uh, as you study the words of Jesus and then you go into the New Testament, you see that they considered money to be two things, hazardous and helpful. So it could either be hazardous or it could be helpful. Uh, they taught us, here's what they taught us, how to minimize the hazard and to maximize the helpfulness. Think about that for a moment. That's, that's what Jesus taught. Uh, and hopefully this message will help all of us do that is to minimize the hazards of money, but to maximize how helpful it can be to us and to others in God's kingdom. Now, money, all of us know, we should know by now, it really shows what you value. What is valuable to you? Money is an indicator of what's valuable to you. If you value living, you exchange your money for food so that you can live, right? So you want to live, so you buy food. If you value education, you'll buy books. You pay for tuition because that's a value. Or you'll spend tuition on your children because you want them to get a good education. If you value entertainment, if you like to be entertained uh, in your TV, you'll not only buy a TV, but you'll buy the kind of the programs that entertain you or that you like. Some buy more than others. Uh, sporting events, if you value those, you'll pay money to go to sporting events. So what you value is where you're going to put your money. Now, if you value the spread of the good news, then you're going to give to the church. And you're going to give to ministries and to the mission of the church because you value God's word getting out. Jesus said it this way, and he said it several different times, and also the writers of the New Testament. The movement in I'm not, I'm not quoting, but this is in essence what Jesus said over and over again. The movement of your money signifies or is an indicator of the movement of your heart. He said it more like where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, or where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So, so the movement of your money, where you move your money, where you give your money is an indicator of where your heart is leaning. Money has the potential to show you possibly that you value things more than God. That's hazardous, wouldn't you say? But money can show you that, real easy. It also has the potential to show your, you value God more than things, which could be very helpful to you and to others. 
So it goes both ways. Now, as I thought through this message and I, and I thought of what has been my responsibility as your pastor, as a senior pastor for the last 33 years, and, and I truthfully say that when I prepare a message or as I think about ministry in any way, whether any teaching opportunity, wherever, ministry, counseling opportunity, I feel my responsibility is threefold and has been. Number one is to show you that God and his kingdom is more important than anything else we do. I've tried to do that. I, I try to express that in my words over and over again. God's kingdom is more valuable than anything else you choose to do in this life. It's number one. It's valuable. And I, and I pray that I continue to do that when I have opportunity. And I know this is on Jason's heart. I know that's the same message and the same DNA that he has. He, he will over and over again tell you that God's kingdom is more important than anything this world has to offer. Second of all, I felt that my responsibility has been to share the word as it reveals motives of your heart to correct, steer, and guide. That's what the word of God is all about. That's why we come together and share the word of God. Why? Because we want the word to minister to us. Now, not just to give us goosebumps, not just to make us feel good. Matter of fact, the word of God has a way, if it properly received, will bring a conviction to your heart. It, it, it will make you uncomfortable. The, the disciples that follow Jesus, when Jesus would speak his word, they'd go away shaking their head. It's like, is that possible what Jesus is saying? Can I really do that? And it's the same with us. It, it's convicting at times. It corrects our lives. It steers our, our life. But if you, you walk long enough with the Lord, you know that that's the happier life. That's the more fulfilled life. That's what life is all about. And thirdly, I, I have made it my objective to see you grow in his kingdom. What is, to show you your role in the church and in the kingdom. How you can be involved in doing what God wants to do in all the world. So that, that has been the three things that I have tried to do and hopefully I've done that and will continue to do that when I have opportunity. This particular parable is not a comfortable one to read. Now, you could read it and just as a story and go on with your life as it is. But if you take a moment, which we're going to do today, that's why I have no screen today. You'll have no notes. So if you're going to make any notes, make them mentally or you can write them down. I, I want to share from my heart. I don't want to be distracted from anything. I just want to share the thoughts that come from this story as we go verse to verse, okay? So we're going to look at it that way. We're going to read it that way because I, I believe it's an important message that needs, we need to stop and think about it, and we need to leave here thinking about it, and we need to think about it all week, all right? Because that's how important. We live in a world where truly there's cultural pressures on us, that we don't even realize how much influence those cultural pressures have had in our lives in a negative way. It's called a deception. It's, we've been lured, we've been pulled in a direction. And if it weren't for the Word of God, if it's not for the Word of God, what do we have that will correct us and bring us back on course? Nothing. 
not even the best of friends. If they're not into the Word, how are they going to bring us back to God's ways? So it's the Word and the sharing of the Word that does this. That's what our time together should mean to us. Now, I, I, love the, I love the times when we have great exciting worship and there's an excitement about being in God's house and I think we need to continue to do that all the time and give God his due in that area. But when it comes down to one of the most important things is the ministry of the Word of God. It's the Word of God in our lives. They're going to place us where God wants us to be to be all that he wants us to be, okay? Kind of that's our introduction now. So Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, we're going to read the story. In verse 13 it says this, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So there was a crowd of people. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 12, they said that, that the crowd was so large that they were trampling one another. Can you imagine that? Thousands of people in the countryside. This is happening around the Sea of Galilee in the countryside, trampling one another. That's how big they are. But one, when there was a, well, maybe there was a, a lull in the, the time, he blurts out a question to Jesus about this inheritance. And verse 14, Jesus answered. Look what he says in verse 14. He said, man, I love that. Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Now, you would think, though, that Jesus probably would be the greatest of arbitrators. He was the wisest. He always had answers. So, so of course, he could give them an answer. Matter of fact, it was kind of like tradition where the rabbis and and, and in the Old Testament, the judges and the priests, they would sit at the gates, and those kind of questions were presented to the teachers. And they would try to judge and make those decisions. But Jesus, he said, who made me? I mean, and, and in essence, what Jesus is saying, I'm not going to get sucked in to the details of the agreement that you've had with your family. I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm not going to be your lawyer in this matter. He said, I'm not called to do that. That's what Jesus is saying. That's not my calling. That's not why I'm here. He said, it's different than that. But I'm going to warn you. He said, you're getting into a hazardous area and you don't see it. That, so Jesus immediately, where does he go? Instead of up here on the surface where the problem is, he's going deeper to the root of the problem. He said, there's something behind your question. There's, a, there's an attitude. There's an issue. There's an issue of your heart that you are not aware that has been cultivated there. It's growing, and it's not good. That's basically what he's saying. And look what he says. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness. So he takes the whole question. He goes from deciding what's right and wrong in the agreement, and he goes to the heart issue, and he said, listen, you're, you're in an area where your heart has entertained covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. That's what Jesus said. So you're, you're asking a question about possessions. You're claiming that you're entitled to more possessions. 
And somehow you have it in your mind that you'll never be comfortable until you have what you believe is yours. You're looking at it wrong, Jesus said. You got a heart problem. There's covetousness. There's greed in your heart. Now, he doesn't see the hazards of his attitude. In fact, it's deceiving him. So he has been deceived. How long has he been deceived? I don't know. But he's been deceived. You know what the Bible says in other parts? It says there's, there's a deceitfulness of riches. There's a deceitfulness attached to riches. And sometimes we don't know what's happening. And I venture to say that many of us in here are maybe swayed and there's some deception in that area. And, and hopefully through this message it can come out and free us from that. Now here's the deceit this man is caught in. And, and I'm going to use this. He's talking about this inheritance. He, he said, it, it's as, he's saying, his attitude is saying, if I lose this inheritance, I'm going to lose a very great part of my life. That's kind of how he's looking. He said, if I lose this inheritance, if I don't get what I think I deserve, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose what life can be for me. No, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I need this inheritance to take me to a place that I think will bring more satisfaction. This is all going on in this deception. Think about what you lose in life if you don't get this share. That, that's what he's saying. He said, if I, I, I'm going to lose something in life if I don't get this share. First Timothy chapter 6. And verse 17 says this. Listen carefully. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. In other words, that inheritance isn't going to bring enjoyment in your life. You think it is. Many times we think possessions and the getting and the attaining more possessions brings us a better life. But it's not true. God gives us all things to enjoy. In other words, don't be deceived when money says, I'm your life. I'm your life. Don't be deceived when money says, if you lose me, you lose your life. Verse 15, follow along. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus continues to move in this direction. He goes deeper and deeper. He said, take care. Beware. Watch out. Be on your guard. This lie or deception is going to awaken covetousness in you. So he's getting to that. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, here's what it says about covetousness. Covetous, covetousness is idolatry. You know what idolatry is? That's to worship an idol. Now he said, well, I certainly don't have an idol in my house, but you know, money, possessions can be an idol. Covetousness is idolatry. Let me just take a little rabbit trail here for a moment. Why? Why is it? Why is covetousness idolatry? Why is, it, why is greed as dangerous as idolatry and as sinful as idolatry? Here's why. In Romans chapter 1, 
It says that they came to a place where they were worshiping the creation more than the creator. Do some of you remember that in Romans? So they came to the place where turning their hearts away from God, they worshiped the creation more than the creator. Now, you have to realize everything that we have, every possession that you have or will buy in the future is made of and produced as a result of the creator who gave it to us. Really, when it boils down to you, you say, well, how does a car fit into that? If you backtrack, everything in the earth, every, that car is made out of metal, it is made out of rubber, and it's made out of all these parts. But if you trace every one of those parts, it all gets back to something that God created that we were able to take, and now we produce these things which we call possessions. you get it? So to worship or to see possessions as more valuable, that it's idolatry because you're worshiping the creation more than the creator, than God. And that's why it's so sinful. Covetousness and greed is as sinful as idolatry. First Timothy, again, chapter 6 and verse 9 puts it this way, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful desires which drown men in ruin, bring destruction. Rich fall into this temptation. It's a snare. Think about this. How deceitful and hazardous it is to entertain any thoughts that having things brings life or will bring a better life or it's really what I need. I need more things. If I had, if I could, so we live in the world that if I had more things, I would be happier. If I could, I could do more. So it's always living in a, in a, in a deceitful attitude of wanting things to bring us life when there's only one thing that can bring you life, and that's God. That your heart's so fixed on God that he provides all the life that you possibly need. Life is not having things, it's knowing God. Bottom line. So here's the parable. He starts out the parable, I'm going to read it in just a moment, the whole parable, but he starts out the parable by saying, to them. It says the parable is to them. So I put a, I put a, a question here. It, it's not, I don't think it's proper English, but here's what I put down here. Who were them? I mean, to them. Who were them at this particular time? It's a large crowd. So let's get some insight into what time this is in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is about two-thirds into his ministry. That's about two years into his ministry. He has just a year, a little bit more than a year left. By this time, the crowds have changed. The attitude in the crowds have changed. In the beginning from the first miracle of Canaan and on all the other miracles, there was this excitement. There's this miracle worker in town. I mean, he's doing things that are unbelievable. And they begin to entertain. He, he has to be from God or he has to be anointed of God. So there was an excitement about the miracles. And many people were following Jesus. And even to this time, were following Jesus because of the miracles, not because of the words that he necessarily spoke. Matter of fact, when the words got too deep, 
or, or too revealing to their hearts, they were then being swayed by the Pharisees and scribes to believe that he's really not from God. So the crowd now is, is dwindling in attitude. There might be as many people, so they're coming, and, and, but it's changed a little bit. So you have those people, but you also have some people that are still not only curious, but, but they're still at that place where they want to learn more about who this Jesus is, and they're interested in his words. That's who this parable, that's why Jesus began to speak in parables. Why didn't he speak in parables the first two years? There was a reason why he started parables now. And if you remember, he said, I'm going to speak in parables, and they're not going to understand. Who's not going to understand? Those whose hearts have drifted away and don't want to be learners anymore, they want the excitement of miracles. They want the excitement of this could be a new thing, and this could be a deliverance from Roman occupation. They like that. It's kind of like, here's what, here's modern-day illustration. A lot of people are following Christ because it's entertaining. Come on. It, it's, it's, it, there's something entertaining about it. And, and their whole approach to their experience with God, whether it be a weekend or something during the week, is that, have I been entertained? Ha, has, it, has it spoken to me emotionally? Ha, has it filled that, whatever it is, of entertainment in life? But it's not necessarily for the words as much as who can give me the best entertainment in town. Ooh, got real quiet. But it's the truth. And, and there are a lot of people that there's a deception and the crowds are coming, but what is the attitude in the crowds? Why are they coming? Is it just a, a social experience? This is where I, I can find a mate? Now, that's not a bad thing because I think you find your best mates in church. I, I find that people that, that have the fellowship of believers, that's your best opportunity. But it's something besides that. I, I go because they're, 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 ah, there's, there's, they're there, <laughs> you know, or, or for some other reason. Or it's the kind of music I like. And, and there's nothing wrong with being drawn because we all have our likes and dislikes in that area. But what's wrong is if your heart is more looking for that than it is for what can the Word speak to me. I mean, not only the words, Lord, I want a word that challenges any deception that is in my life. Now, how many of us woke up this morning and said, Lord, I'm probably deceived in some areas of my life. I want to hear a word today that's going to reveal a deception. I don't think there's very many of us. I'm not blaming anyone for anything. But it, it's, it's something we all have to look to and examine our hearts. So here's the parable, and that's the them. So to learners, Jesus is speaking to learners, and there are learners in here. I believe you are learners. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to learn something. Here's the parable. Verse 16, he said, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? since I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. 
and there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now let me say, set the record straight. It is not a bad thing to be a productive farmer. I had a, a farmer come down after the first service and said, I, I like when you talked about being a productive farmer. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing when your business prospers. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing when you get a promotion and a raise. You shouldn't feel guilty over it. Matter of fact, you should work for that. You should pray for that, that you get a raise. It's not a bad thing when your investment increases in value. That's not the evil in this parable. It's, he's not called a fool because he was a productive farmer. That's not why he's called a fool. We need productive, prosperous business. I pray every day. I pray all the time. God, prosper your people. Prosper the businesses. Give raises. Let people come into a place where they're receiving benefits, earning interest. So why is he called a fool? That's the question in this parable. Not only is it called a fool, but listen, he loses his soul. So he's the damned fool. So it's the fool that he is. Notice, by the way he used the increase of his riches, he gave no indication of being rich toward God. You read this, and what do you see over and over again? Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. It was all about him. There's no indication that he cared about others. There was no indication that he cared about God or his kingdom. None whatsoever. That's the parable that Jesus is speaking. He kept building bigger barns for himself, not for other people. Verse 19. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. So here's what he's saying, basically. Listen carefully, because Jesus wants us to, to read really what's happening here. Here's what he's saying. He said, my treasure, here, here's what I value, here's my treasure, is relaxing, eating, drinking, and making merry. He said, that's what I want. That's my treasure. That's my life. He, he was summing it up. All these things that I have will provide for me relaxing more, eating, making merry, drinking. Those riches in my barn. Now, that's his guarantee. He saw this. This is my guarantee that I can get what I really value. These possessions, these things. And the more I get the more I move toward what I really value. Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with that. If, say if, 
there's no God and there's no resurrection. I want you to think about that for a moment. If there is no God, if there is no resurrection unto a new eternal life, if this is all we have, then it makes total sense to do all you can, all the possessions you can, so that you can eat, drink, and make merry for the 60, 70, 80, 90 years you're going to be here. It makes all the sense in the world. But guess what? There is a God. There is an eternal life. There is a resurrection. There is something beyond here. Now, I, I've come to realize, and you might not think this way or agree with me, I don't believe there's any such thing as an atheist. I think deep down, I think every person without Christ has a void in their heart. It's just there. You, you can't fill it with anything else. You can try, but here's what you can do. You can cover up the deception in your heart and begin to say there's no God. And the reason you begin to say that is because you want to live the way you want to live. You want to have the possessions you want to have. You don't want to be thinking about God. You don't want God butting in and maybe changing what you desire in your heart. Therefore, you begin to believe, and before you know it, you have what is called an atheist. I don't believe in God. Why? If you really go back, I heard this person say, I don't believe in God. And the person said, really? Honest to God. <laughs> Jesus gives these closing words to the parable. Verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The phrase rich toward God. It's the only place in the Bible where it's used. This is the only place right here. Rich toward God. It's kind of, kind of a strange statement. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Let me try to explain. Here's what rich toward God is. Maybe this will help us. First of all, it's the opposite of laying up treasure for yourself. So if you want to be rich toward God, if you want to take heed to this parable and the warnings that Jesus gives and says to be rich toward God, then you have to do the opposite of laying up treasure for yourself. You've got to examine your motives of why you want the raise. Why do you want the promotion? Why do you want the increase? Why do you want your investment to prosper? It's also the opposite of thinking life consists in the abundance of my possessions. So it's the opposite of that. If somehow you are captured and to think that your life revolves around your position. Now, let me say something here. It happened this morning, and I know some of you are going to say, you walk away from and say, man, he's judgmental. I know, I know some of you will probably say this, so let me try to set it up. I'm not trying to be judgmental. It just happened this morning. And it just, because this message was so in my heart and possessions and putting God first that I went to the gas station this morning before I came to the first service. Filled it up with gas. I was going to wash the car. And next to me pulls up this big fancy truck with a nice trailer behind it and a beautiful four-wheel drive kind of Robar type thing. It was a great machine. And there he was Sunday morning. This is the part where you're going to say you're judging him. It's Sunday morning. But I'm thinking, I really am thinking this. And, and he takes the gas and he fills up that machine first. 
So he's filling it up with gas. So you know what he's got? He's headed for the mountain somewhere to ride this beautiful machine that he has. Now, he probably went to early service somewhere. <laughs> probably went to early service, and he's ready to go, okay? But it made me think, what is rich toward God? Because I've seen this over and over again. I've seen trailers carrying Oh, and then the very next thing I saw, I'm pulling out, and I saw these motorcycle road bikes coming in. They're, they're going to go. And I saw all of this, and I think all of this is happening, and it just happens to be Sunday. It doesn't mean that you have to worship God on Sunday. or that's, that's the, I'm not trying to be judgmental. It's just a thought. It, it's just something that caught me. And you know, it ought to catch all of us, especially when it comes to us. Do the possessions control our schedule? Do they take us toward God or do they take us away from God? Come on, let's be real. Do the things that you have bring you closer to God? Now, it's not that you can't have those things. It's not what this parable is about. Matter of fact, God blesses people and they have. But you know what I'm talking about and you examine your own self. I've got to examine my life. I have to answer, Cheryl and I and our family, we've got to answer for what do we prioritize? But this is where Jesus wants to go. That's why we're here. Jesus wants to go to the heart. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not judgmental about that. That's not, it might be convicting. It might make us uncomfortable. Listen, those disciples that first heard Jesus, they walked away shaking their heads and said, man, this is crazy stuff. This is radical stuff. How in the world could we do this? And outside of the grace of God and the power of God's Spirit, you can't do it because there's too much pressure. There's too much influence from our culture unless we are corrected by the Word of God and stay in the presence of God. The more we can. You say that's radical. It might be, but it's safe. It's fulfilling. It's rewarding. It's eternal. So rich toward God being rich toward God is the heart moving toward God as your riches increase. It doesn't move you away, but it moves you closer to God. So when God does prosper you, when God does give you promotion, it moves you closer to God. How does it move you closer to God? The very, here's just a very simple thing to do. In other words, I get a raise. God, thank you. That's tremendous raise. Yesterday, I was talking to someone on the phone, and God blessed them with a financial gift. I mean, it'll blow you away what this guy received. Didn't realize it? God gave him financial gift. First thing he said to me, I'm going to tithe. First thing is on his mind, now I can tithe. But what is on your mind? When you get, what's the first thing on your mind? Is it Wow, I can now get that. I can now have that. That doesn't mean you don't have means. That doesn't mean say, wow, I can, I really, we do need this as a family. I'll be able to do that. But what's the first thing? Shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be, if we're truly radical followers of Jesus and listen to where, shouldn't it be, God, there's a reason you gave me this raise. There's a reason you bless this investment. There's a reason this gift came from nowhere to bless my life. God, 
How do you want me to use it? Do you think that's too radical? No. It's just an honest, sincere relationship with your Lord. Lord, I, I want to be right with you. How do you want me to use it? And I guarantee God is not a hard taskmaster in that way. That he just, Every time you get it, you just got to keep taking and taking. No, God wants you to have a balanced, fruitful, abundant. He, he, he doesn't matter to him. He wants you to live life when it's in balance. Being rich toward God is moving toward God as your treasure. In other words, God is my treasure. No matter what I do, I want God to be my treasure. Being rich toward God is counting God greater riches than anything on this earth. Lord, I am more thankful for my relationship with you than anything I can buy, where I can live, what I can drive, what entertainment, Lord. Don't let me be deceived. Don't let me get caught in covetousness and greed that I'm always after something to make my life better. Lord, the only one that can make my life better is you. Therefore, Lord, I want to do everything there is is to make sure I'm moving toward you. And, and Lord, the way I can move toward you is I need to know more about you. And your word reveals who you are. Therefore, I, I need to know your word. Therefore, I want to put your word in my life wherever I can. Lord, what moves me toward you is, is being with your people as we share together, as we talk about the word. Lord, moving toward you is times when I, I sit under the word and it might be uncomfortable, but Lord, I thank you for the word that comes in like a sword and divides what is soul and what is spirit, what is selfish, Lord, what is, what is being moved by possessions or what is moving me toward you. What's wrong with all that? Nothing. Being rich towards God means using earthly riches to show how much you value God. Lord, I want to show you this. This is what the prosperous farmer failed to do. So that's what it means when we say money is hazardous. It lures you away from treasuring God. Issue is not that the man's field prosper. Issue is God ceased to be his treasure. Now, if God had been his treasure, let me go this way. If God had been his treasure, what would he have done differently? Change the whole story. God was his treasure. What would he have done? Maybe it would sound something like this. God, this is all yours. I can't believe. Lord, you have blown me away again. You, pro you know a farmer totally depends on God. If anyone depends on God, it's a farmer. God, thank you for the rain. Thank you for the soil. Thank you for the crop, oh God. The first thing we do is thankfulness and gratefulness for our jobs and our families and all of those things that are, should be of value to us. Maybe it would be something like this. Show me how I can express with my riches that you are my treasure. God, I know my salvation comes by grace. 
I know it's by faith, and, but Lord, to be rich toward you, I truly want to be involved in your kingdom. And obviously, Lord, I want to be a vessel, and I, and I don't want to be a vessel that just clogs up everything. It just comes in and there's no outlet. I want to be the kind of, I want to be the kind of, be in a position where it flows and it flows out to where you are. Maybe it would look like this. How, how can I make that plain? I'm, I'm a rich man, but Lord, I want to glorify you. God, I don't need a bigger safety net. God, I don't necessarily need a bigger home. I don't necessarily need a, a new car. God, help me to know how to invest for others and for your kingdom. I think that's what it will look like to be rich toward God. I, I want others to know you, God. I want this good news. I want this grace that's been extended to me. Lord, I truly want my neighbors and my friends. I, I want them to know you. I want them to have eternal life. I don't want them to be deceived. So God, use me in this way. So help me be in balance. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road. 